Senator Cory Booker's a crybaby, the coveted fake news awards come out, and the government shuts down. Let's unpack it in this week's episode of Modern Rebels. Hey everybody, and welcome back to episode number two of Modern Rebels. As always, I am your host, Adam, and let's just jump right into it. So, on Monday, Monday, January 15th, was uh, MLK Day, um, Martin Luther King Day. Fantastic man to celebrate. All the more reason to celebrate him because, of course, equality, Civil Rights Act of 1964, all that great stuff. Of course, all of us know the very famous speech that he gave on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, wishing that everyone would be judged by the content of their character instead of the color of their skin, which obviously is our extreme words of wisdom. That being said, uh, PragerU came out with a pretty cool video uh, the other day. It's called An Inconvenient Truth About the Republican Party. They actually got the same professor that did An Inconvenient Truth About the Democratic Party to come and do it, which is really interesting. But there was just a last little clip in the end that I wanted to show you real quick. But you might be thinking, all that's in the past. What have Republicans done for women and blacks lately? The answer you'd hear from professors, journalists, and celebrities is not much. And this time they'd be right. They'd be right because the Republican Party treats blacks and women as it treats everyone, as equals. The Democratic Party never has, and it still doesn't. Today's Democrats treat blacks and women as victims who aren't capable of succeeding on their own. The truth is, this is just a new kind of contempt. So there is a party with a long history of racism and sexism, but it ain't the Republicans. And she's absolutely right. The Republican Party has a massive track record of being on the right side of history ever since Lincoln uh, with abolishing slavery. So it's really funny because people nowadays will say, oh, the, the platforms switched back in the 60s, which is just not true. If you look back in the 60s, overwhelmingly, all of the Republicans are the ones that put in all of the Civil Rights Acts and, and the Equal Pay Act and the 19th Amendment, you know, abolishing slavery. Across history, across the board, Republicans have been on the right side of history. The only thing that has changed is that the way Democrats now perceive themselves, I think, is, is really what, what has changed. So Democrats 100 years ago realized that they were being racist, basically, but nowadays they don't because they've been tricked into thinking that in order to be as least racist as possible, you have to help all the minorities that you think are below you. But the Republicans just think all minorities and white people and men and females and everyone is on the same even level playing field and we treat everyone equally. That's the issue. It's an issue of equality of opportunity versus equality of outcome and we just want equality of opportunity, not equality of outcome because every outcome is going to be different. Not every person has the same work ethic. Not every person has the same amount of vigor or the same amount of drive. And on Tuesday, January 16th, Cory Booker decided that he was going to yell at the Department of Homeland Security secretary on a uh, Senate hearing. Uh, they were in the Senate Judiciary Committee, and Secretary Nielsen was trying to stay on topic. But apparently all of the Democrats on the committee really wanted to focus in on the s-hole comments that Trump apparently made in the DACA meeting. Like I said, she was trying to stay on topic because she had answered their questions, been patient with them, and she even said this, and she was just trying to get back to the task at hand. But once again, all of the Democrats were too focused on this being their political motivation. 
and Cory Booker decided that he was going to take up acting in this Senate Judiciary Committee. Let's roll it. I hurt. When Dick Durbin called me, I had tears of rage when I heard about his experience in that meeting. And for you not to feel that pain, hurt and that pain and to dismiss some of the questions of my colleagues, saying I've already answered that line of questions when tens of millions of Americans are hurting right now because of what they're worried about what happened in the White House. That's unacceptable to me. There are threats in this country. People plotting. I receive enough death threats to know the reality. Kamala receives enough death threats to know the reality. Maisie receives enough death threats to know the reality. Okay, let's unpack a few things here. First off, Cory Booker is a terrible actor. Tears of rage? Okay, seriously, if you did cry when Dick Durbin told you that Trump said some mean things, which, let's be honest, who's surprised that Trump says mean things anymore? I'm certainly not. They're dumb and they're not helpful and they cause crap like this, but are we really surprised Trump said mean things? And seriously, you're a grown man. Why are you crying? What's the point? It's not doing anything. Grow up. Grow up. Be a man. Be a leader. Leaders don't cry. Leaders lead. Leaders take the crying by the hand and show them, no, you don't have to cry. And also, death threats? Are we pretending that conservative people don't get death threats either? Wasn't Ben Shapiro the number one target of alt-right anti-Semitism, where people repeatedly tell him to kill himself? Or that they're going to kill him and his family? Seriously? Let's not pretend that people on the left and people of color and minorities are the only people that have received death threats. Everyone receives death threats if you're in the public eye. Cory Booker needs to stop acting like he's superior to everyone else in all of this. It's ridiculous. And also, the double standard is insane. I'm old enough to remember that people didn't go insane over President Obama calling Benjamin Netanyahu, the Prime Minister of Israel, a quote-unquote chicken shit. So can we just drop the double standard here and just move on? It's been a week, okay? It's been a week. Also on Tuesday, one of our favorite Canadians, Jordan Peterson, was on a TV show in an interview, and, well, it didn't go so well for the interviewee. Let's just say that. Roll it. Why should your right to freedom of speech trump a trans person's right not to be offended? Because in order to be able to think, you have to risk being offensive. I mean, look at the conversation we're having right now. You know, like you're certainly willing to risk offending me in the pursuit of truth. Why should you have the right to do that? It's been rather uncomfortable. Well, I'm, I'm very glad I put you on the spot. <laughs> well, well, I'm very glad that I've exercised my point. You get my point. It's like you're, you're doing what you should do, which is digging a bit to see what the hell's going on. So and that you, is what you should do. But you're exercising you your freedom of speech to certainly risk offending me. And that's fine. I think you, more power to you as far as I'm concerned. So you haven't sat there and I'm just trying I'm just trying to work that out. I mean Ha, gotcha. You have got me. You have got me. I'm trying to work that through time. my head. Yeah, yeah. It took a while. It took a while. It did, it did, yeah. It took a while. And that's just great. That's just great. He stumps her. He stumps her, absolutely. So if you don't know what they're talking about here, they're talking about Bill C sixteen in Canada, which states that all public employees, I believe, have to refer to people as what they identify as pronoun-wise. So if I'm a public employee in Canada, such as Dr. Peterson, and a man walks up to me and says he identifies as a woman, I can't say, no, you're a man. And I can't refer to him with boy pronouns. I have to refer to him at, with girl pronouns. So that's the bill that Dr. Peterson is talking about here. And it was very controversial. It's kind of his rise to fame him protesting that bill. That being said, he really stumps this girl on this free speech thing, and it's 
fantastic. I'll leave a link for the whole 30-minute interview in the description. And on Wednesday, January 17th, a porn star named Stormy Daniels came out and said back in 2006 that she had an affair with President Trump. Are we really surprised? I know I'm not. I'm, I refuse to be surprised by anything that comes out of the Trump administration anymore. It's disgusting, by all means. I believe at that time he was married to Melania, who he actually had an affair with Melania at the time of being married to his other wife, so are we really surprised that he had an affair with someone else while Melania was supposedly pregnant? I'm not. It It is gross. It's very gross, and once again, it's demoralizing to the culture, but none of Trump's base is going to care. Let's be honest. None of them are going to care. It's not going to matter. As long as he's fighting the leftist culture, it's fine. It's fine. <sighs> gross. But also on Wednesday, President Trump came out with the fake news awards, and Boy, were they a flop. I mean, like a massive flop. Like, he could have he could have memed it so hard. It could have been hilarious. He could have showed up in the Oval Office, sitting in front of the fireplace, drinking some tea, having like a fireside chat. That would have been hilarious. And then just announced them. Or he could have done it really big, had everyone pile in the White House, big black tie affair. Could have been really funny. But no, as it turns out, all it was was just a link to the GOP website. That's it. And none of the fake news awards were really all that substantial. Yes, there were some really good ones on there, but, I mean, the first one? The first one reads off, The New York Times' Paul Krugman claimed on the day of President Trump's historic landslide victory that the economy would never recover. Okay, granted, when Trump got elected president, it shot the Dow up, like, God knows how many points. However, his victory was not a historic landslide victory. It was a surprise, sure, but landslide... No, not a landslide. I mean, he lost the popular vote. How do you call that a landslide? It's not a landslide. So I'll leave a link in the description if you want to take a look at all of those, but none of them are really all that great. Then on Thursday, January 18th, Jeff Flake on the Senate floor decided he was going to compare Trump to <laughs> to Joseph Stalin because of the fake news awards. So uh, here you go. It is a testament to the condition of our democracy that our own president uses words infamously spoken by Joseph Stalin to describe his enemies. It bears noting that so fraught with malice was the phrase enemy of the people that even Nikita Khrushchev forbade its use, telling the Soviet Communist Party that the phrase had been introduced by Stalin for the purpose of, quote, annihilating such individuals, unquote, who disagreed with the supreme leader. Okay, can we just stop comparing our presidents to political tyrants and murderers? Can we just stop doing that? Like, the person who holds office a president is not legitimately that bad. Whatever side of the party you're on, they're not nearly as bad as any tyrannical dictator that has existed over the past 100 years. I promise you. That being said, him comparing Trump to Stalin on this is absolutely hilarious. Like, I don't see Trump actually taking journalists like Jim Acosta and throwing him into a gulag like Stalin would have. So, I have to say, the analogy here is just a, a smidge off. And then on Friday, January 19th, a massive, massive story broke as a four-page memo came out in the Senate and the House about the Fusion GPS scandal. Now, if you're unfamiliar with this, essentially the Clinton campaign paid Fusion GPS to collect... Uh, information and opposition research on the Trump campaign, which came out in the form of the dossier that said Trump peed on some Russian hookers and stuff like that. Well, it turns out the FBI may have used this 
Clinton-funded, DNC-funded dossier to obtain a FISA warrant to spy on the Trump campaign and push forward the whole Trump-Russia collusion narrative. That being said, the memo that was released to Congress on Friday apparently had some massively important breaking stuff that people could possibly go to jail over. Uh, it's a really big deal, and hopefully they are going to vote on it and release it to the public. It's not public information yet, unfortunately, but I really want to know what it is because Republicans want people to know what it is and Democrats don't want people to know what it is. However, Trump could really make this easy if he would just declassify the FISA application, then we would know what was in, in that and therefore we wouldn't even really need this four-page memo. But that being said, here's a clip of Jim Jordan on Fox News the other night explaining a little bit more about this. You've read it. Do you believe that, that there is a crime in there committed by the DOJ and the FBI or members of those entities? Look, what I believe is what my colleagues have said, what I've said is the American people need to see this. Uh, we want the journalists in, in, this, in this great country to see this, uh, but mostly we want the American people to understand what the FBI did, how wrong it was, and the American people can see what took place at the highest levels of our FBI, at the highest levels of the Justice Department, that should not happen in this great name. So what's the... So I'm just really interested in what is going to end up being in this memo, if it's all just a big red herring and actually nothing ends up being in it that could incriminate anyone, or if a whole lot of people could end up going to jail. Either way, I think it's going to be a pretty big story when it comes out. Obviously it is. And then on Saturday, we ended up having a government shutdown that has lasted up until a few minutes ago where it ended. Essentially what's happening is we have to fund the government, and the House and the Senate have to pass bills on government funding. The problem is the Democrats want to tie in DACA for this. Now, the Republicans said, okay, if you want to tie in DACA for the government funding, then we need to get something in return. And the Democrats said, no, you're not going to get anything in return. And so we just let the government shut down. And that's where we were at up until about an hour or so ago. And I believe that they voted to reopen the government with a continuing resolution up until February 8th. Once it hits that, if they haven't reached a budget solution, a financial option, then the government will shut down again. And honestly, it's been a nice three days not having to deal with any politicians. Everyone tends to freak out when the government shuts down, but in reality, it the government runs at 90% capacity when everything shuts down. Everything that's essential still happens. So government shutdowns really aren't the biggest deal. They're just kind of saving some money. Now, what's really funny is I saw this video on Facebook the other day uh, that I pulled for you, and it's from Chuck Schumer from 2009 and Chuck Schumer from today. And there's just a good little contrast there. I'll go ahead and play it for you. People who enter the United States without our permission are illegal aliens, and illegal aliens should not be treated the same as people who entered the U.S. legally. The president's decision to end DACA was heartless and it was brainless. When we use phrases like undocumented workers, we convey a message to the American people that their government is not serious about combating illegal immigration. Hundreds, hundreds of thousands of families will be ripped apart. If you don't think it's illegal, you're not going to say it. I think it is illegal and wrong. Tens of thousands of American businesses will lose hardworking employees. A biometric-based employer verification system with tough enforcement and auditing is necessary to significantly diminish the job magnet that attracts illegal aliens to the United States. They may have known no other country but ours and have voluntarily registered themselves. 
all illegal aliens present in the United States on the date of enactment of our bill must quickly register their presence with the United States government or face imminent deportation. So I just think that's really funny how Chuck Schumer back in 2009, we could have at least agreed upon some immigration policies where it's an America first kind of policy and illegal immigrants are illegal immigrants. But because the party pushes so far left now, he has to cater to that far leftism. I don't even know if he necessarily holds these views. He definitely doesn't have any type of principles because he's moving so far left on an issue. And then also, lastly, on Saturday, there was the pro-life march. Now, the pro-life march has been taking place for a long time, and the pro-life march is meant to protest the decision of Roe v. Wade. And obviously, Roe v. Wade allows abortions, which is probably this nation's second worst civil rights crime ever. And with that, Matt Walsh actually wrote a piece over at Daily Wire that I thought was really interesting that compared both slavery and abortion and kind of juxtaposed both of the positions that pro-slavery and pro-abortion people would have. Opinions like the argument from ownership, which says this slave slash baby is my property slash my body. You can't tell me what to do with it. This slave is my property. You can't tell me what to do with it. This baby is my property. You can't tell me what to do with it. Or the argument from privacy, which would be no one's forcing you to have slaves or no one's forcing you to have an abortion, so stop bothering me. Also, the argument from inevitability, which is slavery has been around for thousands of years. It's never going to go away. We might as well have it uh, in a safe and legal system. Or you could say the same thing about abortion. We might as well have it in a safe and legal system right? People are going to do it. See, so this just kind of goes to show that Republicans have always been on the right side of the aisle, back to what we were talking about from Monday. And then, of course, there's the argument from the courts. Slavery's already been vindicated by the Supreme Court, so let's just leave it alone. Abortion's already been vindicated by the Supreme Court, so let's just leave it alone. No, no. Human rights violations are human rights violations, and I'll keep staying on that path. Thank you very much. Well, guys, I believe that's going to be it for this week. Make sure you subscribe, like, comment, leave a review on iTunes, do whatever makes you feel good. Thank you very much for watching. See you next time.